We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? that? We're, about one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. On this Sunday night, January the 8th, 2023, we're coming to you with a great cast tonight, folks. Geo Baker, the Rutgers great, John Henson, the North Carolina great, and I'm John Fanson. Over the next hour, we're going to talk to you about our reactions from the weekend. Do we have some overreactions? What's our thoughts heading into another week of college basketball? It's what makes the Sunday night show so great on After Dark because we get to talk about all kinds of things, fellas. I'll tell you what, big day in the Big Ten. It's where we're going to start. And four games in this conference today, just about to wrap up. Number one, Purdue, beating Penn State 76-63 here in the final seconds. This is a game that Penn State, they got out to the lead. They led at halftime 37 to 31. Purdue outscoring Penn State 45 to 26 in the second half. And the Boilermakers win by 13. So Penn State answers a defeat to Rutgers with a win at Ohio State, a 13-point win at the Palestra over Penn State. Geo Baker, what's that say about the Boilers in the way that they responded? I mean, I think they're growing up, right? You know, I, I said it after they lost to Rutgers. You know, you have a freshman backcourt who's not used to that type of defense, that pressure defense. How are they going to respond to it? They come with two road wins over a tough Ohio State team and now over Penn State. You know, they're, they're showing that they're growing up and that they have a great coach, great leadership, great experience who are telling these guys, you know, to, it's it's you need to have a short memory, right? You, you know, you can't, can't get your head down over a loss. It's going to happen in the Big Ten. That's the type of league that this is. These guys have short memories, and, and they grew up. Uh, I agree with that. I mean, even the I think the Rutgers game was fluky. They missed 16 out of 23 threes. You know, you're going to have a bad game every once in a while, and, you know, they go into Penn State, and they kind of just walked them down, man. They, they just walked them down. I mean, and Penn State started off not double-teaming the ED, which I think got things just kind of rolling, and uh, it was a good roll win. Um, it's kind of weird to play in that pen. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's home court advantage, but – I don't know. I don't know about that. Right. I don't, wait a minute. Did did John Henson just call a, a win by a team over Rutgers or a loss by a team to Rutgers fluky? 
Yeah, I mean, just, they just miss they miss shots. It happens. You know what I'm saying? They, if if they hit those, you know, if they hit those shots, I think they take care of them as well. Hey, John, we don't got to get into it. We don't got to get into it, John. Yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Rutgers is tough at the crib too. They are tough. They are today. Today wasn't too good for him, though. Right. It wasn't, and let's get to that here. I mean, the Scarlet Knights, hot as anybody in the country. The Scarlet Knights have been as hot as basketball, winning six in a row. They fall today to Iowa, 76-65. to They give up 42 points in the first half. It's an eyebrow-raising thing. I mean, for, yeah. for Iowa, fellas, Iowa goes from Thursday night trailing Indiana 22 to four to winning that game. And then today shows up to Piscataway and they really command Rutgers in a building that's very, very difficult to win in. John, you've got thoughts on this. It's the big 10 is just, I mean, what, what is the big 10? I mean, you got Iowa, Illinois sitting at the bottom. Uh, you got, it's, I don't know what's going on. And we kind of wrote Iowa off, right? Like, all right, they're done. And now they're right back in the mix, a team that looks like they're on the you know trajectory upwards, kind of in the rankings and the standards of the Big Ten. I think I think it shows how mental the game is. You got a guy like like Sanford who comes in, he hasn't been shooting the ball well at all this year. He's known for being a knockdown shooter. I think he's shooting like twenty percent coming into the game. Uh, you know, he he gets sees a couple fall against Indiana, and then today against Rutgers, he just goes off, and you know just shows the mental aspect of the game. And he was super hyped up. But Iowa looked like, you know, they were the first team that I saw that just didn't look uncomfortable against Rutgers' defense. It felt like they were kind of always ahead in terms of the scheme, right, where Rutgers always seems to be – it always seems to be the opposite with RU where they're just kind of making everybody super uncomfortable. But, um, I mean, you know, they, they were making great passes. They were just playing simple basketball. Like, as soon as they drove, Rutgers would overhelp. They'd make the kick, and Rutgers was just slow on the rotations. Yeah, I it- – I would, I can't, I can't figure them out. What, 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 what are they? You know what I mean? What, but at the same time, I think they had their backs against the wall um, mm. coming down the stretch. So I think it was put up a shut up for them and, and they're, they're, they're showing, you know, signs of life. You know, for both of you having played, like I, I'm curious when you've been on a winning streak, like Rutgers was on, mm-hmm. do you ever, does the streak ever result in, I don't want to say complacency, but but there's no question Iowa knew what Rutgers had been doing over the last couple of weeks. So it didn't take any, like Rutgers isn't sneaking up on anybody anymore. I mean, let's just say they're, they're not. And I'm wondering if that plays a, a part. Like they do say, there's that saying, timing is everything. It, it, how big is that when you're in a league where you know each other so well, or is it something different? Uh, you know, I, I, that's that's a good point, right? Purdue didn't go, you know, teams weren't going in New Jersey like, ah, it's, it's going to be a tough night for us in, you know, with, with this Rutgers team at home. But now they've got some, they made some noise, they've got some momentum. So I would probably was a little more, you know, they set up in their chairs a little more when they were watching film on Rutgers and they know what they're doing and they came in on point. And now Rutgers has to learn that, hey, look, you guys kind of have the target on your backs now. Like, teams aren't going to just come in there and think this is going to be an easy game. And I do, does Rutgers still play at the rack? I'm not sure. Do they still play at the rack? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I used to go to, you know, I went to, the, I went to the little team camp back in the day. But, yeah, so, yeah, the rack is a cool, like a nice little spot, too. It's a good little, you know, arena. So, yeah, they, they got to do their hunting now, so they got to figure it out. 
Yeah, no, I think I think I definitely agree. I think it's a combination of things. They they are the hunted now. I mean, you beat number one on the road, you're gonna have a target on your back. Teams are gonna you're not gonna surprise anybody. And then you know, you talked about complacency. I don't think that's the word for it, but as a player, like if we were on a losing streak, we knew, right? If we were on a winning streak, we knew. And you know, they've all everyone's been talking about is Rutgers defense, Rutgers defense, they're forcing so many turnovers. That leads to you overhelping. That leads to you overplaying some of these passing lanes, getting out of your rotations, because now you're expecting to just get that steal. And I think we saw some of that against Iowa. They just kept overreaching. How tough is it to face Fran McCaffrey's offense? Man, it's tough. It's it's tough. It's always high powered. And that's and I, I was really high on Iowa in preseason because you know, everyone was talking about how they lost Keegan Murray, but all of his shots were within the offense. He never forced anything. And and now you're seeing the same thing with his brother, where, you know, it's not really any forced shots. They're not running sets for him. And, and they're just a high-powered offense. They run, they get in transition. And and honestly, even their defense today, they mixed it up, matchup zone, man-to-man. Rutgers got a little bit confused over there. Hmm. Yeah, they, they're, they're shooting, they're, they're hitting their shots. I watched the Nebraska game, and I think I saw Keegan Murray shoot three air balls. And, you know, it just wasn't a good offensive game. So, Maybe that's what it was, just a little offensive funk. And, uh, you know, now the shots are falling and they're kind of right back in the mix, if there is a mix in the Big Ten. You know what I'm saying? So, well, what what is the mix? What is the mix? I mean, yeah. let's face it. I think it, it, Purdue has shown. I don't I don't know if if this should come off as hot of a take as maybe it might to the outsider. But, folks, I'm, I'm going to say this right now. In my opinion – Next to winning the PK-85 title when they beat Gonzaga and Duke, Purdue just had their most important week of the season because you suffer a loss at home to Rutgers. You look up and you've got to go to Ohio State. Ohio State's tough. They're a tough team, even though they've they've got back-to-back losses now. Chris Holtman's done a really nice job, and the Buckeyes have one of the most efficient offenses in college basketball. For Purdue to win that game, to find a way for their freshmen to step up, Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, who have been great all year, that was revealing. But then you got to come off that. You stay away from home. you got to play at the Palestra. It's a different building. It's a hoops house. They had a huge crowd there. It was loud. It was loud in there. It was loud in there. All those things. Penn State's having a nice year. NCAA tournament caliber team to pull away in the second half, that shows you that Purdue, they've got toughness. They've got resilience. They've got the best player in college basketball, but they have an it factor. And that it factor showed. And and Zach Eady is otherworldly. 30 points, 13 rebounds tonight. Folks, when Zach Eady's on your TV, you need to watch or find a TV to watch because John Henson... When was the last time we saw someone like Zach Eady and his size in college hoops? I'm trying to think a dominant big like that, man. I mean, it, it's it's been a while since we've had like a dominant center offensively like that. I mean, I watched the game today, and, and he, you've got to probably send an immediate double because as a big man, I think Penn State messed that up. And, you know, if I was on the staff, I would have said, look, big big men didn't the ball. That was a rhythm thing, right? Rhythm, you get going, timing, all that. So if you do not get down there and disrupt his rhythm early, 
He's going to have 30 and 13. He's going to be flying around, boarding, being active because he was very active today. I mean, they couldn't get a shot off over him. So he's, I mean, fast track to be player of the year and Purdue looks, it's going to have to be a bad matchup for them to lose in the tournament, in my opinion, which could happen. No, yeah. And I agree, John. I think that they protected their reputation this week, right? You know, that they did have that home loss and, there was a lot of talk about, oh, are they overrated? And then they go on the road twice in the Big Ten. And and I know the Penn State game technically wasn't a road game, but let's be real, it was it was loud as hell in there. You could hear it from the TV. Like it was it was a road it was a road environment for sure, and that's a tough place to play. And you know they get the win there, they get the win at Ohio State. They protected their reputation this week. They really did, and they deserve to stay in the top five of the AP poll tomorrow. And I I wouldn't be surprised to see them at third. You know, I think third or fourth, because, look, you're going to take a loss. And it's a testament to Rutgers and who they are, how tough they can be to play. Um, That's big time from the Boilermakers. And, you know, today in the Big Ten sums up what the Big Ten has been this season. We haven't reacted to it yet. Let's get to it. Northwestern. (laughs) Northwestern is 3-1 and in the Big Ten. They're 12-3 and overall. They go to Assembly Hall. They notch a quad one win at Indiana, 84 to 83. This is a big win for Chris Collins' group, who already owns a road win at Michigan State in the Big Ten. They get 26 points from Boo Booey, who's had a a great year. They get 13 and 11 as well from Ty Berry. It's a terrific win for Northwestern. Geo Baker, how surprised are you by one, the result for the Wildcats to win at Assembly Hall, and by Northwestern in general. I'm pretty surprised, man. I wasn't very high on them, um, you know, and obviously I've played against a lot of those guys throughout my career. Um, but but the thing is, though, is that these guys have been through it, right? You talk about Adiz, you talk about Boo Booey, Ty Berry, Robbie Barron, uh, even, you know, Verhoeven and, and Nicholson. These are guys who are program guys. They've been through the battles and they stay loyal to Coach Collins. They stay loyal to Northwestern. They had a lot of close losses in the past couple of years. And I said it before the game, you know, this is going to be a breakthrough if they win it because these are the types of games that they normally lose by one instead of winning by one. They lose by two or it goes to overtime. And something just happens where they end up losing the game. And, and I know Indiana's injured. I know that they're missing Thompson. They're missing Xavier Johnson. But it's still a really hard place to play. Like Assembly Hall is one of the toughest arenas in the Big Ten, probably top three. And, you know, the fact that they were able to go in there, get a win, they already won at Michigan State as well. They're three and one in Big Ten play. As of right now, they're an NCAA tournament team. Will that continue? That's probably the the main question right now. You know, these guys, again, over the past couple of years have found a way to somehow mess it up and they don't end up going to the tournament. So that's yet to be seen. Yeah, they got to be able to handle prosperity. Uh, they're playing well. They're on the radar. You know, uh, even myself, I wasn't paying attention. I was shooting Northwestern. Now they're on the radar. I think the coaching staff has their backs against the wall and things are finally starting to develop for them. But it's going to be interesting because, I mean, three weeks ago, you know, we would have had a whole different top five in the Big Ten. So it we'll, we'll see what happens with them. You know, they're playing well. Like Gio said, can they handle it every year? They kind of have a surge and they kind of fall off. So we'll kind of see what happens with them. Mm. So I, I think we all agree, Purdue's at one. We're asking you all in the YouTube chat right now, 
What would your Big Ten power rankings be if you were to name the top five or six in this conference? I, I mean, I, I think you you sit there and say, okay, we know Purdue, and then you'd be like, well, it could be a bunch of different candidates at, at number two. I mean, you think you know something about Wisconsin? They lose to Illinois yesterday. Michigan State, look, they've got veteran players, and yep. they're starting to get healthier. They beat Michigan yesterday. Uh, Michigan's three and one in the conference. You have a couple. You have Rutgers at three and two. You have Ohio State at two and two. I'm still bullish on the Buckeyes overall, but like th- this is a league. It's it's tough to figure out. I I would still say Wisconsin's two. I would pin Michigan State right now at three, fellas. I don't know if you go differently, um, but I but I think Geo. Here's the thing. The reason why it's tough is because it's the deepest league in the country. In terms of NCAA tournament contenders, it, uh, yeah, the, for sure. The big the Big Twelve's the best league in the country. But the Big Ten's depth is absolutely ridiculous. I ask you, like, what after Purdue, who are you more bullish on maybe than somebody else? I think I think you nailed it with, with Wisconsin. Um, I'm still extremely bullish on Ohio State. Obviously, they're missing Zed Key today, and and yeah. Maryland's a tough team as well, right? The, the game that they had today. Um, yeah, but it, it gets messy after that. Like, and we've and we've said that from the beginning. We said that in the preseason. You know, it's 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 a messy league, and it's a it's it's a war every single time you go out there. And the fact that some of these teams are getting wins on the road this year makes it even more difficult than it's ever been to kind of rate some of these teams. Um, but it's it's messy, and I I think it's just too early to really give a good, uh, a good observation of who my top five would be. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at every team. I mean, I don't know if maybe the Big Twelve, but is there a league where you do not get a night off? And I'm talking about Purdue having to go to Illinois or India or, or, or Minnesota. Like Minnesota is not a easy you're not going to go in there and just beat them up so um it's going to be so interesting to see how many teams get in what they do even with the tournament right like they haven't had a good showing in the tournament and and so is this the year they kind of finally break through i don't think so but purdue could you know put them on their back theoretically so maybe that'll happen as well what's your take on that on the tournament and that whole take I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I see it either, man. I, I think. I think right now Purdue is the only team that's really shown that you know they're they're consistent enough to make those strides in the tournament. I mean, you think about the tournament; anyone can beat anyone, right? So then it really comes down to how consistent are you, how tough are you, and right now Purdue is really the only team that's shown that that consistency. All right, we asked the YouTube chat. Let's get the chat involved. If you have a question tonight in the YouTube chat for Henson, for Geo, for me. We are going to answer it here. This is your show. This is your show, viewers. So jump in here. We want to hear from you tonight. You are our guest. All right? All right? Here we go. I ask you how you would rate the Big Ten. Chuck says Purdue 1, Wisconsin 2, Ohio State 3, Michigan State 4, and then Chuck's got Rutgers at 5th. So Chuck's fitting Rutgers there so you don't have Michigan. Illinois has been all over the place. I mean, hey, that's in space says it we, all. We sat in the garden and was like, you know what? This is a national championship contending right. team. Like that right there is, they got to figure it out, man. I don't know. 
I seen I seen Brad Brad spazzing out over there. So freaking you know, out. Yeah. So maybe Brad needs to like take another. You know, it's so funny, man. When I was with the Milwaukee Bucks, they had us come to a meeting and they say, "Hey, look, we're about to hire a positivity coach." Maybe the Illinois need to get a positivity coach in there to change to change the kind of you know tune a little bit because obviously yelling and screaming is not working. It's just not right. working. Darren <laughs> Shannon Jr. looks like he's folding. Uh, Haw the Hawkins kid, who I, I mean, I think he's a, got pro potential. He looks like yep. he's he's flu he's you know flustered. So, hey, Brad, maybe we should you know try some positivity. Man, he ain't, he ain't going for it. He's not. He's <laughs> not. He's he ain't not, going for not, it. He not. He not hiring shit. He, he, he's not hiring so, anything, man. He is not hiring no positivity coach. But they definitely got yeah. a lot of internal problems that that. You know they they need to figure out and you know the good part is that they have a ton of opportunities in front of them right that's the great part about the big 10 is that you can turn around at any moment mm. a couple other submissions here uh brian says purdue one michigan state two ohio state three wisconsin four he puts northwestern five so brian here's the thing that sums up the big 10 staff that you're putting northwestern at five brian ready that that's that is just it just says a lot it, and geo you said it they've got experience they do i'm looking here nick says purdue one michigan state two Rutgers three wisconsin four ohio state five indiana six all right i mean that's to tell you this, what this, yeah it just shows is. it like it just shows it. top three you know what i'm saying <laughs> so um yeah it's so i think so this is going to be a discussion all year for sure no question we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I got a bone to pick talk to on me. this Sunday talk. night. I'm going to talk to you right now. Talk to me. Talk to me. All right. Now, I want to start this by saying I know they don't have Xavier Johnson. Okay, so he's here. He's hurt, and, and understandably so. They're not the same team without him, and they're going to be without him for however long. It's not a good situation, you know. It, that's tough. It's tough to lose him to your equation. Having said this, Indiana's been disappointing. They've been disappointing. Yeah, you were the preseason favorite in this conference. You were the preseason favorite in this conference. What on earth happened to you defensively? Your, your head of the snake is gone, for one. I mean, you know, and, and that's kind of – that's a big deal. Uh, your head of the snake defensively as well. So, um, you know, defense is kind of just an effort, energy, 
mindset thing. So, you know, they, they've got to figure that out. They've got to be better. And it's going to be interesting to see which direction this team goes. Um, whereas Purdue's going in a positive direction after a few after a loss. Does Indiana kind of get it together? Or they, do they pack it up and say, you know what, we're missing our guy. Um, let's get the young – do the young guys say, I'm going to just get going and get ready for the next like, – so it's, it's – um, I don't know. But, 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 I, I think it's – Wait, wait, wait. But, Gio, Jalen had 33 points. Yeah. At home, at home Down against Northwestern. Right. Yeah. If if right. I had said that to you, Geo Baker, this morning, that he'd score thirty three at home against Northwestern, wouldn't you have said like double digit win? Yeah. Oh, for sure, most definitely. Hey, Jackson Davis is twenty four. This, this is the thing, though. This is the thing too, though, John, is that they don't, you know, they obviously are missing Xavier Johnson. That hurts. But we didn't even mention Race Thompson. That hurts. Right. We're talking about two experienced guys. Guys who made the tournament last year, and Jordan Geronimo plays hard. He plays super hard, right? It's not an effort thing with him. But at the end of the day, he's not as talented. He's not as experienced as Race Thompson, right? It's a completely different guy filling that role. And, you know, that just brings even more to Trace Jackson Davis, right? You're missing Xavier Johnson, Race Thompson. Now all the attention's on Trace Jackson Davis. Now all the attention's on Hood Shafino. That's tough to overcome. And, and and we just said it, Northwestern's playing great right now. It's not like they just lost to a bad basketball team. Northwestern is playing very well right now. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm feeling for Indiana right now. I'm feeling for Trace, right? This is this is fifth year's last go around. But honestly, they're going in a, in a very bad direction right now. I think I definitely agree with you guys on that. And those two guys, Johnson and Thompson, are irreplaceable. They don't have another guy. Like we always talk about in college basketball, oh, there's going to be injuries. Someone's going to get sick, whatever it is, suspension. You got to step up and, and fill that role. They don't have the guys to, to fill those roles. And and that's a that's a bad thing. It's a really bad sign right now. Maybe they need to have one of them, like, you know, those team meetings <laughs> and see if they can get it together. But, uh, yeah, man, they, they, they're struggling. And like I said, do they pack it up or do they do they fight? Um it's as open as any year has ever been in the Big Ten, so I think they need to keep that mindset and keep going. How many team meetings did you guys have in your in your careers? A lot. Too many. I would say it's a 50-50 uh, proposition whether they work or not. Really? Yeah, I mean, you know, it just depends. Because some team meetings are just everybody sits around and says we have a meeting, and some are real, really good. You know, it just yeah. depends on kind of your leadership group and what you want to get out of it. Yeah, I've seen I've seen team meetings go a bunch of different ways where, you know, all of a sudden everybody's against the coach and all, or all of a sudden, you know, you know, guys are going at each other. Guys start calling each other out. And then, you know, it really just depends on the leadership, you know, who's calling the meeting, what the meeting's about and just make sure that everyone's kind of, uh, you know, on the same page. Did you guys ever like. You ever walk in. For a game. And before you even stepped on the floor that night, like in, in your conference, Gio, you talked about teams you feared, teams you didn't. John, you, you played in the ACC. Like, did you ever just show up to a building and you knew whether you were going to win or lose? My freshman year, whew, man, we weren't we weren't good at all. So there was there was a couple games where – Man, a couple couple dudes, you could tell they were just happy to be in the building to see Michigan State, see Michigan. Like it wasn't, 
there wasn't really a feeling of like, oh, we're you know we have a chance in this one. Um, and that and that was hard to overcome. And that's a whole different story of how we figured that out at Rutgers. But there, my freshman year, there was a couple of games we knew if, if we had a chance or not, and and the other team knew too because they would talk trash before the game even start. There was a game where uh, um, the point guard, I don't know why I'm, I'm blanking on his name, the point guard at Michigan, uh, Xavier right. Simpson. David Simpson was sitting there just talking trash before the game. Wasn't even warming up. He just said, man, y'all suck. Like, he just kept saying it over and over again. He's like, watching us warming up. Like, in the warm-up, just like, damn, y'all suck. Like, we are going to beat we're gonna beat the hell out of y'all. I'm like, damn, like, before the game? And then we lost by 20. So, you know, there was just like, <laughs> there was those type of games where, you know, guys just kind of knew. It. But, um, you know, obviously we overcame that as we kept going. But definitely had those moments. I mean, for me, see, like, we were, especially my second third year, we were the number one team in the country for the majority of the year. So we would actually walk there and see the team's body language and the team's fear, and we tap each other, like, I tap Harris, I tap Big Z, like, oh, we, they, they scared tonight, but we're going we to take care of them tonight. Like, they're scared. We can see them. And some teams wouldn't, and some teams would be ready. And we could tell at the tip, yeah. especially when we were rolling, we could tell at the tip, and so – that was something, you know, we would also key in on. Nobody really, I mean, nobody really knew that, obviously, when we were playing. But, you know, we check you out before the game. We walk to the tip. And, hey, look, if you're ready, you're ready. We, we can tell. And if you're not, it's going to be a long night. So. No, nah, you, can, you, can, you can definitely tell, for sure. Yeah. Warm-ups, like, and, and I think every team does that. You, you, you check another other team, see what their body language is looking like, seeing if they're kind of just going through the motions. If they're looking over at y'all, kind of, you know, when you and Leia Blinds doing all the dunks and stuff like that, you could tell when, when dudes are, are a little bit scared. You can you can you can smell that fear. And I think we we figured that out at the rack a lot. Was yep. you know, we, <laughs> there was a lot of times where we could tell dudes did not want to be in the rack on that day. Mm-hmm. Man, that that was fun to hear. Xavier Simpson, who talked the most trash in the ACC, Hanson? Which team coach? NC State, and we used to drag them. So that's why I was so funny. So NC State was always japping. Um, but I think that's all they could do. You know, you know that's what they had uh, CJ Leslie, um, Richard Howell, the Ryan, the point guard for his last name, Ryan. They, they were a talented team, but they used to get us so riled up, man. Like, we, it was, they, they didn't know what they was doing. And then uh, specifically, I remember with Marquette. With Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder, um, that Hall man, that team. Yeah, they, so we played them in a we played them in New Jersey. Um, they had one more guy, Jimmy Jay Crowder, Dwight Bikes. They had one more pro on that team. Um, and before the game, in the media, they like, oh man, they're soft. We eat. Hey, they're McDonald's all Americans. We eat McDonald's. Like you know, they were right there. They were and and Coach Williams. Let us know, hey guys, you know what they're saying, right? They're saying, you, you know, they they eat at this restaurant, y'all eat steaks, y'all McDonald's, they eat McDonald's in America, they eat McDonald's. Hey, just want to let y'all know that we were up forty to like thirteen and a half, and so those are the two kind of instances where, like, I remember teams kind of got under our skin a little bit and, and, and gave us a little extra motivation. And as you know, as we've seen, all you need is a wake of sleeping giant. You know, from a basketball standpoint, even in any sport, and and it, it could get ugly. Hundred percent. That's good stuff, Hanson. Yes, sir. That's good stuff. All right, we're we're following all of you in the YouTube chat here with our overreactions. Dagan Hughes will help us out here throughout the hour. So, Dagan, there's a lot of talk right about the Kentucky Wildcats. Is there not? 
Of course. There is always talk about the Kentucky Wildcats. <laughs> always talk. So let's pose the question here. What's the temperature with Kentucky now? Yesterday. Yesterday, folks, they got their butts kicked. I mean, to see Kentucky, and I know it's the seventh-ranked team in the country in Alabama, to see them lose, though, 78-52, to 52, 52 points. Now, Alabama's been one of the best teams in the country. I mean, I think you could argue right now Tennessee and Alabama are both deserving of maybe being in the top five. Like, I would not argue with you at all. But Love Tennessee, by the way. Oh, and loved, love them. Love them. We'll get, we'll get to them. Guys, like Kentucky basketball is, is all of us. They're off the map. They've gone from being a, a team in the preseason that we thought could contend for the Final Four, that we thought would have the redemption season, to at 10 and 5, if things don't improve, they're in danger in the NCAA tournament. Like they are in danger. And they're not playing good basketball. Henson, what, what are you seeing? What's wrong with the Kentucky Wildcats? Well, you know, I'm glad there's another blue blood that's teetering on the brink of uh, uh, a panic, um, house on fire. I love that because Carolina was in that situation a couple of years ago, you know. And so um, last year, yeah, last year, the house yeah. was on fire. The house was on yeah. fire. They lost by 20 twice coming into the ACC play. So um, they got to figure out that offense. Um I think they got to play better as a team. Cal looks like he is just ready to rip everything up, and you know it's 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 a it's a it's a dumpster fire over there. Um, and I don't know what they're gonna do. I don't know what Cal's gonna do because I'm gonna be real with you. The Carolina fans are nice compared to the Big Blue Nation. I mean, <laughs> so they got to figure it out offensively and, and just. Yeah, keep keep playing because they're talented enough to get it done. I mean, that's another team we were talking about earlier. I mean, I think Jeff was like, "Hey, you're down the stretch, they, I think Kentucky." I mean, down the stretch, we were like, "Hey, they could be a team that maybe improves to play well and and make a run." Now we're kind of like hands off. So Man, they're just they're just not very deep though either. I yep. think I think uh, and we talked about you know obviously their offense right now, but you know not having Frederick hurts right. I think people underestimate the the power of just having a shooter on the floor even if he's not making shots like now now you can double easier right there's less driving lanes whereas if cj if cj's the one passing it into to oscar you can't double off him right it's an automatic bucket driving lanes you can help a little bit more you can't you can't help off cj that's an automatic bucket so a lot of stuff opens up just by having a shooter on the floor and they don't have that right now and they ruining my man oscar's Back-to-back player of the year, bid, man, I don't like that, man. I, I need my big guys to get right, man. We have been fooled. We have been bamboozled, man. We have been bamboozled. <laughs> we have been corrupted. We have been robbed. For sure. I Honestly, Kentucky has made me feel violated. I mean, I, I'm not kidding you. I was on the wagon. I was on the wagon. Get me my ticket off. I'll walk home. I'll walk home. <laughs> and if a body this big is walking home, you know I'm okay. Okay? Sure. I, if I'm okay with walking home, <laughs> if I'm okay with walking home, something's really wrong. I want off. Okay? I'm off. A goodbye. See ya. 
here's the deal. All summer long, they went to the Bahamas. They were balling out there, playing good basketball, fun in the sun, Sheboys mm-hmm. racking up dollars. I put something out like credit to Cal for letting Sheboy, you know, miss practice so he could make his money. Honestly, I thought it was a good move. For Kentucky, sure. Kentucky fans are like, oh, of course you would say that. You know, da, 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 da. folks, here's the deal. They built themselves up too. Okay. And then the season rolled around and Cal said, be patient. Cal, it's January. Your team hasn't gotten better. They've gotten worse. And frankly, we're getting to the point now where your NCAA tournament standing is in question. That's not acceptable in Lexington again. Okay. Because we're not just, this isn't a one-off anymore. Two years ago, they were bad. Last year, they lost to St. Peter's. This year, they look soft. Credit to Cal. He did hold a press conference and say we're not going to be good. He did try to warn us. <laughs> Credit to Cal. He put on Twitter, he said, guys, it's not your normal Kentucky team. Everybody relax. Yeah. Nobody right. wanted to hear it. Everybody thought he was playing possum. No, he was – he knew. <laughs> dead serious. <laughs> dead serious. Henson, That's funny as that. if, if, if Goodman was here right now, or if he had access to the Zoom link that Dagan has not given him access to, like <laughs> I can feel his ears vibrating here mm. of someone saying credit to Cal. Credit to Cal. He tried to tell us. He said, hey, look, we're not going to be good. Be patient. Fanta, how good how good do you, do you think Alabama is, though? Oh, man. I mean, I got to tell you, not only are they good, but they got the best freshman in college basketball who is humble of the right mindset, wants to be great, but doesn't just talk about it, actually has that type of, of motor and drive. And, and whoever's in his circle, whoever's in Brandon Miller's circle, like credit to him because he's got the right mentality here. He's been on our show, so impressive. But not just that, like Nate Oates went out and identified guys guys that would help his program. I I think Mark Sears, the Ohio transfer, was one of the great additions in the portal that we saw in the offseason. He's averaging 15 per game. He just gives them a guard who's under control. And then you go right down the line to who they are from a a defensive perspective. They're a really good defensive team. And the the whole Javon, like Quinterly, Javon Quinterly gives them a spark. He gives them an edge. He gives them something different when he does come into the game and, and yesterday plays 18 minutes, he scores 12 points and Charles Bediaco, what he does from a defensive perspective, Noah Clowney to me, like we'd be talking even more guys about Noah Clowney. If Brandon Miller wasn't on Alabama, because I think Clowney would be averaging in double figures. He's averaging a basically averaging a double, double at 10 and nine a game. You've got two freshmen, one who's going to hear his name called very early in the night in June uh, in Brooklyn. And you've got another freshman in Clowney who has been terrific at six foot ten at coming in the program and knowing his role defensively and making things happen. The Alabama Crimson Tide can win the national championship. They're that good. What at what point do so so my question to you guys is with Alabama, let's cause the name on the chest I think gets them a little love. Because we don't expect the Alabama team, Alabama, to be that as a football right. school. So, what would be a good year for them? Like, what, where, where, if the, where were they? Where do they need to go for it to be? Hey, you know what? Because Alabama's been doing this the last few years. I mean, they've been humming a little bit. So, what's a good year for them? I, I, I don't. 
like Elite Eight, maybe, right? Or Final Four. Yeah. I get, you know, so what's a good year for them? I, I was thinking Elite Eight in my head. Elite Eight? Elite Eight in my head, yeah. If, but they're a top eight team, so like I don't know, is that a good year for them? Like they, they're supposed to, they're a championship contending team, so I just kind of wonder what's going to happen in the tournament. Um, I think for them to have a successful year at the point how they're playing and at what point the program is at with 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 their coaching and their players and their NBA guys, they got to get to the final four. They got to be make a final four run, in my opinion. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hmm. Uh, we're checking on the, we're checking on the chat. Bob Sacamano's dad. There's a nick. There's a name. I don't know what that is. He says, "No way, Houston should be number one tomorrow. Show me their resume. Show me Purdue's got to vote Purdue all day." Okay, but Bob, you, you, Purdue just can't stay number one. I mean, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, Gio. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think I mean, look, the resume is what it is. They pass the eye test. Like Houston looks good. They look mm. tough. They're consistent. These. These dudes are going to be a tough out in March. I would, if Houston were to play Purdue right now, I would take Houston. That's just me. Houston, team looks, like, Houston looks like an NBA team yeah. with their length and athleticism. Um, you know, talent-wise, they, they they're going to be in the mix towards the end of the year. Um, that's a team that's been trying to beat down the door of winning a championship. So Houston's good, man. Houston's going to be okay. Houston's good and they're getting better. They win today 72 59 at Cincinnati. Not an easy place to play. I don't care what the Bearcats are. Fifth third. Shout out to my guy, Wes Miller. Yeah. guy. That's right. Shout out to Wes. <laughs> Houston's 16 and one. And to the guy who just is saying that, you know, Purdue's got a better resume. Look, Purdue, Purdue's got some great, great wins. Houston ends up getting a different rap because, frankly, they play in the American, which I think helps them, honestly. You know why? They don't have to go through the grind of the Big Ten playing two or three games a week and, and then the SECs too. Like, I don't think there's a bad – I don't. I think a lot of people are like, well, they don't play anybody in their league. You know, they play Memphis. But, they, but the fact is the American's not a very deep conference. So people might say that. But, like, Houston, they challenge themselves in non-conference. They went to Virginia and beat Virginia. And it's their last year in the American, obviously. The, the argument will change next year when they're in the Big 12. It'll be interesting to see what they add to what's already the best conference in college basketball. But, like, guys, go ahead, John. I know I said that's going to be fun seeing Houston in the Big 12 it's because uh, it's going to validate are they that good. And I think they'll be right at the top of the standings. You know, you kind of have to, like, they're not going to play anybody, so they're not going to be tested. So I feel like sometimes teams like they get a false sense of confidence. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that affects them towards later in the year, especially tournament time, because as we know, you see all it takes is one game. And if you've been kind of cruising and you think you're better than you are, you come up again. I mean, I specifically remember 
both years we were number one seeds and the hardest games of the tournament were their eight nine game because the eight nine team is a team like Indiana Illinois where you know they didn't do as well but they have a talent so it's going to be interesting to see when they get into the tournament are, are they battle tested and and if they can kind of kind of roll through the through the tournament like like I think they can the only, only thing I'll say against that is is their coaching staff right yeah. I, I I played against Houston uh yeah. in a tournament two years ago and like these dudes are locked in they're tough yeah. that coach is not going for nothing like if there's no sleepwalking in that program there's no not being ready for the game in that program mm-hmm. right we just said it Cincinnati's a tough place to play they killed them right it was that was that wasn't anything to them those guys are right. tough they're battle tested I don't I don't see them doing that come March just because of the leadership uh from their coach and and, and for what I've experience playing against them they're they're, they're not sleepwalking any game they're not they're so difficult to play uh marcus sasser is ridiculously tough and at least one person a week says to me have you seen jarris walker and that tells you all you need to know about the (laughs) five-star freshman 29 minutes today 21 points eight of 14 from the floor he's big time guys i mean he he is a professional playing the college game he's a professional He's straight up. He's a professional. I mean, he, he won't be there long. Uh, he's a pro. Pro. He passed the eye test. He has the ability. He has the game. Um, I like watching guys like that, especially the college level. So when the AP poll comes out tomorrow, you know, that's, that's the Henson poll or the Geo Baker poll, I'll give you guys mine to give you an idea here. All right, go ahead. I've got Houston one. Okay. Kansas is number two for me. Tennessee is three. I'm at I, like, I love Tennessee. I love Tennessee. I, I really do. We'll get to them in a second. I'm going to ask you why you love them. I'm keeping Purdue in the top five. I'm slotting them at four. They showed us something this week. All right? They showed us something this week. And then the way that they've continued to play, I'm going Alabama five. With UConn at six. With UConn at six. Uh, they did lose at Providence. I still like Connecticut, but I don't have them in my top five. That's two SEC teams in the top five. Henson, why do you love Tennessee? Defense, 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 for one. And they just keep rolling. We don't talk about them a lot. They just keep doing their job. No one's really speaking about what they're doing, how impressive they've been. And I also have a soft spot for Rick Barnes because that's what I wanted to play for when I was coming in high school initially before I went to North Carolina, I, Rick Barnes was the guy. And and so I think that's one of those teams that they just get after you, man. They play hard. I love their, they, they have an identity and those are the type of teams that, and I think they're also, they're going to, they're, they're in the process of turning that corner, especially in the postseason. And so it'll be interesting to see if they can finally get over that hump of wow, losing. They yeah. They, and, and once they, if they can do that, I, I really do. I, I like Tennessee. And I, I called them, I said it's one of my favorite teams two a month or half ago. And everybody's like, oh, we don't know. But you know, now they're kind of starting to get on a, you know, get on a horse. They're gonna have to deal with the March reputation issue, mm-hmm. like you yeah. said, when they step on the floor. Rick Barnes has not been able to break through in March. But here's the deal. Santiago Viscovi and Zakai Ziegler. 
are just tough dudes who make things happen in that backcourt. They're obviously disruptive defensively, mm-hmm. but they create things on the offensive end of the floor. Vescovi is is a guy who not only is a shot maker from the perimeter, he hits a couple threes yesterday in the win over South Carolina, but he can create for his teammates. Olivier Camwa is such an imposing presence. I mean, he he just makes things happen for them in the front court, and they can feed it to him. His offensive game has grown, and at six foot nine, like I love the way I love how hard he plays, and that's what comes to mind with Tennessee. They play so hard, and that's a credit to Barnes and the career he's had. Julian Phillips, look, he's gone through some ups, some downs, but overall, he's been an addition for them. He's shooting the basketball nearly forty percent. He's averaging in double figures per game. Like they, they have a really good makeup. To me, one of their best performances of the season actually came in a lot in a loss when they lost at Arizona mm-hmm. because going in that game, you sat there and you said, you know, Arizona's offense is just going to be too much for Tennessee, and Tennessee cannot score with them in Tucson. Tennessee was great that night on the offensive end of the floor, and. They they had a couple of things not go their way, and they, they ended up falling like you would expect a road team to do on most nights in Tucson, especially in a game of that magnitude. So I'm with you. Like, Tennessee and Alabama. Here we are, fellas. Here we are talking about Tennessee and Alabama. You know, we came into the year, Arkansas has dealt with injuries, no question, but they had the best freshman class and pro-ready guys. They're still a really good team. Kentucky was proclaimed to be – you know, the national championship contender. And here we are talking here about, about Tennessee and Alabama. And, man, they're they're both capable teams of making it to Houston. And, and I think as we talk about it, like one of the things that I want to discuss was, are there just a lot of average teams? Are there just a lot of, of teams that you would say, you know, you, you could pick one here, you could pick one there? Like, what's – What's the parity level in this sport right now? Do we really know anything? This, this, this is my first year being being an analyst per se. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if it's just because I'm paying more attention, but college basketball seems weird this year, man. Like I have a feeling that there are going to be some blowouts in the tournament, right? Just because there's been a lot of inconsistency from a lot of different teams, teams that normally protect home court are losing on the in their home court teams that normally don't win on the road or win on the road. It's, it's, it's a very strange season right now. And I think we're going to see, you know, some blowouts. I think there's going to be some games where you're like, man, how was this team even in the tournament to start with? And then it's going to seem so obvious at the beginning, at at the end where we're like, Oh, we should have known this from the start. Good point. It's portal parody, man. This is a portal parody. Like these teams are getting guys and filling in spots where you would have to recruit or have a transfer come in and wait. So, now you're starting to see these teams that, you know, were one or two guys away. They're here. They went and got a guy from a mid-major or another school. And, and so that's why I think college basketball is where it's at. And I wasn't a fan of the portal, but now I kind of see how these games are going and how these teams are playing. The games are more fun. Makes it High-level competition, high-level basketball. Um I, I'm I'm I might change my tune on that portal because it's creating a really good brand of basketball because you're getting guys from South Dakota State, you know, you're getting guys from these mid majors and these other conferences that get opportunity to play for these high level schools, and they're just making the brand of basketball better. 
now kids are getting paid, so it's NIL deals, so it's not just the school. So that that's it's going to be like this forever, I think. Now, and if, with the portal and everything going on and NIL deals, it's it's going to be uh, it's good for the game. Um, you don't really see too many bad high level basketball, college basketball games anymore. So I love that for the sport. Everybody's getting older too. I think mm-hmm. NIL NIL is helping everybody get older. So you see some of these guys who have who have been in battles, have already been through it, and they're so experienced. There's a lot of pros playing in college basketball right now, so it's 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 really cool to see. I don't think you should be 26 playing against a kid who just graduated high school, but that's just where we're at. <laughs> where we're at right now, though. No, like literally, like I'm like, yo, like Devin Booker's 26. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. go, That's go, go sign, go, go play, go sign an extension. Like, yeah. you, you're supposed to be your second NBA deal right now. Like, come on, fellas. Like, so that's the only thing I don't like. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, 26. Like, they're getting, like, they, they getting their doctorates, man. They're getting man, their listen, doctorates. Man, we had Bernard James at Florida State when I was playing. He was like 26, fresh out of the Army. He was throwing us around like dolls. Like, <laughs> come on, we're 19. Like, he was th- he's a sergeant in the army. Like it wasn't I hated playing against him. I hated it. Like he he was a grown man out there. Like he really was. So um that's the only thing I don't like. Other than that, everything's good. Well, <laughs> you sound like you take it personally when yeah, you Yeah, man. I when I see like kids like 26, I'm like, come on, bro. Like, come on, guys. Isn't it it's I think it's DeAndre Williams who is, you know, 26 years of age. I mean, at Memphis, he, he's a he's an old head. He is he's an old old head. I mean, they they're they've got some guy. There's some guys around the country. You're right. If you're 26 and you're still in college, I mean, Geo, you're how old? I'm 24, and they and they were calling me Gramps at Rutgers. So, <laughs> <laughs> what's my nickname at Rutgers was Gramps. Right. I'm, I'm only 24. Like, yeah, 26. Your <laughs> casket. Yeah. Your nickname's Casket at that point. I mean, if, <laughs> if you're 26 and playing college basketball, all right, we got about 10 minutes here. Tell you what, the the best game of the weekend came from the Big 12. Kansas State and Baylor. This is a 97 to 95 game in which Jerome Tang's Wildcats continue to be the biggest surprise in the country. Jerome Tang is the national coach of the year right now, folks. His team's 14 and one. Nobody saw this coming. People thought that they would finish eighth, ninth, tenth in the Big 12, maybe seventh. Like nobody thought that this team would be where they are right now. And I'll tell you what, they've done it. The, with the transfer portal, Keontae Johnson's story, his comeback story to college basketball, like a little over two years ago, his life flashes before his eyes. He collapses on the court of Florida. You think to yourself, will he ever play again? His comeback is is fantastic and inspirational. And Keontae, cheers to you. Cheers to you because you have come back to the game and you've brought something, you've brought heart to Kansas State. You've brought toughness to the Wildcats. He's delivered. Marquise Noel, who's a guy who started his college career at Arkansas Little Rock. He goes for 32 points and 14 assists. 32 points and 14 assists against Baylor. Kansas State is a top 30 offense, according to Ken Palm, in college basketball. This is unreal. Kansas State, like, there's no other word to describe you other than, wow, 
Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jerome Tang, he recruited me, and he was actually one of my favorite guys on the, you know, when I was coming up in high school. Great dude, great energy, genuine person. And so when you have a guy like that running your program, success is inevitable. And he got lucky with the portal, as you have to do, being a new coach. But that's kind of what I was talking about, man. That portal creates that parity, and he's a good coach. He's been under Scott Drew for so long, waited his time. He's implemented all the things he's learned, and, and, and Kansas State is rolling. I, When I saw the Baylor game, I, I, I knew it was going to be a ball game. He, you know, they're playing for him. They want to beat his former. It's just, it was just so many things, and that was a fun game. Um, Kansas State is a force to be reckoned with, and I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, I, I love, I love uh, the guard Noel. I mean, you talk about, you know, a dude who's as talented as he is, and they're allowing him to play so free. They're allowing him to be aggressive. Right. They allowed him to take shots early in the shot clock. And when you have a guy who's as talented as he is, playing as free as he is, good things happen. And it's not just him scoring, too. Like you said, he had 14 assists. That's unheard of in college basketball, right? That there's no there's no point guards doing that right now. So the freedom that they're giving him is just leading to good things. The only thing I will say is the last three games have been very high scoring. Like at a certain point, what happens if the shots aren't falling? That's the only thing. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that's going to happen in a game. And and that could happen in March where it's like, all right, if the shots aren't falling, are you going to defend? And, um, you know, just want to see some more of them before, you know, I I make that observation is if if they can or can't defend. Very good point. That's, that's, you ain't going to win no games giving up 80, 90, because that's just not how you come against a team like a Purdue or someone who's going to, sit down on you what you're gonna do we're checking the youtube chat here we got about five minutes and change matthew b asks me (laughs) you never know what question we're gonna get (laughs) who do you like to win the missouri valley conference this year i'm not seeing either you two up he asks is indiana state for real let me tell you something josh shirts has done a great job this year corvoisier mccauley is a power conference caliber player who transferred in He's averaging 17 per game. They've got balanced scoring. They're averaging 81 per game. They're 6-0 in the MVC. I'm buying the Sycamores. You will only get that on After Dark. I'm buying Indiana State to win the Missouri Valley. They're off to a great start to league play. Love their offense. Does Larry Bird know what Indiana State's doing? What you think? <laughs> no, maybe. Maybe so. Who knows? Maybe so. Good question so. there. Good question. What else do we got? Uh, we got some Kansas State stuff. You know, Shattuck says Texas going to make that call of Jerome Tang. Like, that's interesting. I mean, I'm wondering who Texas will call. I think we're all wondering who Texas will call. Any ideas? Anybody Ooh. you would call? Ooh, um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm calling. I'm, I'm, I'm calling Cal real quick. I'm trying to see what Cal's on right now. Hey, Cal's, you okay? We want to get out of there before things get, you know, because Cal, you know, that could be another project. And so, but I, I haven't really thought about it hard and long. Um, yeah. That's going to be a tough, because for one, he had them rolling, right? Yo, like, man, they were, man, they were rolling. He they were rolling. rolling. So, you know, who, who's going to be able to continue that? They're obviously probably have guys leave, transfer perhaps. You know, he's got some Porter guys there as well. So, 
I'd hate they, I'd hate to have that job as a Texas AD. I'd hate to have it too. Yeah, and I I don't think it's I don't even think it's his hire. Right. Because when you, when you have something happen, like it did with Chris Beard, now your university board, your president, really wants to make sure every single box is checked off. Mm-hmm. You're going to see heavy university involvement here because this goes beyond basketball. You need a man yeah. of character. You need a man of character, and you have to check off everything. We watched one of the all-time flameouts of a coach in college basketball history occur this past week. When you think about the weekend review, there's been a lot of great games. There's mm-hmm. a ton of parity in the sport. But it is not often that you see a power conference coach have a downfall, a guy who had made a national championship game have a downfall like we've just seen with Chris Beard in the last 30 days. It's an all-time fall. It's a decline that is historic. And he had everything in his world, everything, until he didn't. And so now that makes Texas's job really, it's a desirable job in college basketball. And there's plenty of guys that will be in the deli line. Mm-hmm. But somehow, someway, even with a program that's top 10 in the AP poll and has had a great year, the hire has never been more complicated than it is for that administration right now. It, it's it's tough because you go, you, you have to dot your I's and cross your T's on this next hire, or that's everybody's job, you know? So, you you know, where do you go? I mean, you're going to have to go safe. Um and there's options. They're not going to be short of candidates, but, you know, it's going to be an interesting process because Beard was like love and hand lock and key for that school. And so where does Texas go? You know, do you just, hey, safe, safe pick and, hey, look, this guy's going to come here and be solid or, hey, do you roll the dice on a young coach? Like, what do you, what do you do? Bring back Rick Barnes, a la Bob uh, Charlotte, uh, Charlotte Hornets. I'm sorry. You know, go get, go get the, go get a guy you've had. Like who knows? I don't know. Don't envy that position, though, man. Um, I feel bad for that program. There's a, there's a Tampa kid, Dylan Mitchell, there. He played in my AU program, so um, just hope those kids kind of figure it out. They played well at Oklahoma State. That was a good game. I didn't think that they would, you know, go in there and do what they did. So that was an impressive win, especially defensively. So they'll be all right. It's Texas. Texas always will be all right. It's just a matter of the university. What, what are you going to do? You know, where do you go from here? So above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> Is it though? Is it's it? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Hey, we want to tell you all about tomorrow night, guys, national championship game tomorrow night in the college football playoff. And the field of 12 is going to have you covered a pregame show, 630 Eastern time, a postgame show immediately following the game. The Field of 12 will have a watch-along, watching the entire game on playback. Check out at at the Field of 12 on Twitter for all the links in the morning. We'll have the playback, so you can watch the game with our crew. We've got a great, great crew. Pre-game show again at 6.30, post-game show following the game. If you're looking for a second screen option for your national championship game, why wouldn't you be looking for another screen option? Follow our guys. Check it out at the Field of 12 tomorrow for the College Football Playoff National Championship. We are off tomorrow night from the Field of 68 After Dark with it being a relatively quiet night. 
in college basketball. We're back with you 11 Eastern time on Tuesday evening. With that, our three toasts of the night. You guys get a chance to go anywhere in college basketball, giving out three toasts. Geo Baker, go ahead. Yeah, man, I'm going to do a toast of the night to Jameer Young uh, from Maryland. You know, they they had a, a great win over number 24, Ohio State. Uh, obviously, he had 30 points, you know, was doing it all. But the thing that really stuck out to me was the 11 rebounds that he had. You know, me as a point guard, I don't think I've ever had 11 rebounds in a game. He's a lot shorter than I am. So the fact that he was able to do that and get a gritty win, uh, you know, toast to him. So big shout out to him. I'm going to go Desi Jones of Quinnipiac. Is that how you say it? Quinnipiac. Good. That's how you say Very it. Very yeah. nice ball. Yeah. Yes, Quinnipiac. He had 23 points. Nine rebounds, six assists, sitting at 5'10". They knock off Ayana, who's the highest-rated Ken Palm Mac team. They beat they beat 81-58. Got to give a toast to him. I mean, this is a big win in the scheme of the mid-majors in that conference. And and we don't, you know, let's we give them a little mid-major love, man. They, they knocked him off tonight. Desi Jones played a great game. Toast to him. Toast my water. Good call, Henson. Good yes, call. I like that. Very, very nice call. I'm going to give a toast to Northwestern because nobody saw this coming. And frankly, I don't think that Northwestern basketball is something that, that gets discussed a lot nationally. But people, they, they're putting you on the national radar right now. To go into Assembly Hall and beat Indiana, 84-83. Boo Booey's been around forever. Like you said, they're very experienced They've got dudes who have been around the block, Geo. And Chris Collins this year, it was it was looked at as a very pivotal year for him, a critical season for him to stack up some wins. They've showed that they can go on the road in the Big Ten and get Ws, and today their toughness really was on display. They go and beat Indiana. And the Northwestern Wildcats are 3-1 and one in Big Ten play. They are to be taken seriously. They've got Rutgers at home on Wednesday. Yeah, the door's open for them to go to 4-1, and one, although the Scarlet Knights will be hungry and angry for a bounce back. All of a sudden, it's a very intriguing game on Wednesday evening. So a toast to Chris Collins and Northwestern. Quite the year for those Cats. I'm going Cinderella. I'm going Boise State hook and ladder. I'm going crazy. I like TCU tomorrow night to shock the entire world and win the national championship. But either one of you have a pick. I'm listen. I'm I'm a big believer in luck is going to run out. I think George. I think TCU put Georgia on notice, and Georgia also got put on notice because they almost lost. So I think Georgia. I think Georgia takes care of them. So I got Georgia. I'm gonna be real with y'all. I don't, I don't watch football at all, but. <laughs> Hey, Fanta, I'm riding with you, though. Let's get it. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. The power underdog. of the purple. The why not? Yeah. I'm all I'm all in on the underdog. I hope TCU takes it home tomorrow. College that would football. be a ground-shaking college football win. A TCU winning that strip. I mean, that that changes the dynamics of, the, of, of, of college. So that would also be awesome, too. So it's going to be a fun game. Thanks to all you guys for watching. Join us again at the Field of 12 tomorrow night, 6.30 pregame. We'll be on with you after the game. Follow playback to watch the game with us. We got a bunch of people in the chat, people saying, justify this, justify that. Putting a two-loss team ahead of Purdue with one loss. 
The polls are the polls. They change weekly. It's not always resume talk. It's who's playing the best at, at this very moment. Remember that when you wake up tomorrow. We're not making an NCAA tournament bracket. We're telling you who we're believing in. I still like Purdue as a top five team. I even might I, I might change my thinking and put Purdue at number three overnight. Let's sleep on it. Let's see how things go. But understand this. When a poll comes out, it's how teams are performing, or at least it's supposed to be, in that moment and what they've showed us in the last week since the poll was last given. Every night things change. We're back with you Tuesday night, 11 Eastern time for Field of 68 After Dark. Join us all night tomorrow at the Field of 12 for national championship game coverage. For Dagan Hughes, for John Henson, for Geo Baker, I'm John Fanta. Have a great rest of your